What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's October 24, 2023, and this is episode 126. In this episode, I'll talk about why compound lifts are so important for workout programs. And in the second topic, I'll dive into what diet adjustments you need, uh, you should make to succeed to be healthier, fitter, or lose some weight, whatever your goals are. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. I've been surrounded by a bunch of sick people lately, and you probably have as well. And me saying this will probably jinx it, but I haven't caught whatever is going around, which has been great so far. So that's kind of why I wanted to talk about what you can do this fall and upcoming winter season to prevent yourself from getting sick. Or at the very least, give yourself the best fighting chance to. So boosting your immune system to the best of your ability to increase your resistance to any kind of sickness. I might have touched on this topic before, but it's just something that's at the top of mind right now. There's a few things you can do, a few steps most people can take to reduce your chances of getting sick. Uh, The first one, of course, is to exercise. This is probably where most people fail. Even if we're not talking about preventing getting sick, this is important for all aspects of life. So obviously exercise boosts your immune system and the severity of your sickness, or I mean like it'll reduce it. No matter what it is, flu, a cold, COVID, whatever, resistance training would be the best thing to do, exercising with weights, but even frequent walks, especially outdoors, would be a great idea and would benefit everyone tremendously. This could even mean group classes as well, just anything to get the body moving uh, moving to get the heart rate elevated for a sustained amount of time. This has many health benefits, not just to prevent sickness, like I said, even when you're sick, unless you're bedridden or just starting out uh, the sickness, yeah, give yourself some time off so that your body can deal with that negative stress on your body, but when you're able to, I think and believe that some kind of light activity could help you get over the sickness quicker as long as it's appropriate and you don't overdo it. This leads into the next topic. Another important factor would be to make sure you manage stress and sleep very well. Stress can hit your body in different ways. There's things you can do which create a negative stress and some stresses like from working out, which are actually positive stresses on your body. In terms of sleep, getting seven to eight hours of night would be uh, seven to eight hours a night would be solid and helps the immune system a lot. For me, this is one that I'm starting to try to get a hold of soon this is and has been my biggest weakness over the years just because of how my life is i've been better over the past few months because i've been getting home from work a bit earlier than usual this one's pretty straightforward you recover and rejuvenate as you sleep so this helps you battle any sickness going forward and here's another one a big one that most people can improve in myself included eat a clean diet not that processed or 
the takeout food, you should be making your own food. If you're trying not to get sick, you need to give your body the nutrients it actually needs. Stop getting takeout food if you feel like you're about to get sick or even if you are sick. It makes sense to just, or it doesn't make sense to just rely on the medicine to get better. If you're feeding yourself garbage, you're lacking the proper nutrients to help your body recover better and quicker. So clean up your diet. Likely that means more protein along with more fruits and vegetables and less of the ultra processed crap and takeout food cooked in whatever kind of not the greatest kind of oils. This is why I make 95% of the food I eat. It's better to know exactly how the food is being prepared and cooked. You give yourself the best fighting chance. You'll be better for it in the long run. To cap it off, something maybe a bit off the board when it comes to boosting immune system or preventing sickness for this upcoming season. For the past few months, I've been fortunate to work at a place where I have access to the sauna or the steam room, and I think, man, it's been a game changer. I believe it helps with the whole sickness prevention thing. If I have the time, I've been doing the sauna for about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the temperature. And if I'm short on time, I've been doing the steam room for, I don't know, 7 to 12 minutes, generally speaking. That really just makes me feel good. Definitely clears any sort of congestion, removes toxins. And for me, I find that it reduces any stress as well. It's a time where I can also work on meditation, which has its own benefits, and I work on deep nasal breathing when I'm in there as well, through the diaphragm, through the stomach. I think it's been great, and I try to make it a daily habit. When I'm done in there, I'll follow that up with a slightly colder than normal shower, and that just makes the day so much better. I think those are the key points, are the biggest, yeah, they're the biggest points when it comes to preventing sickness over the next few months, and really, the rest of your life. It's just more important during the colder winter months. It feels so good coming from outside, now having to wear a sweater when I'm outside, and then going to the sauna just has me reminiscing about summer. You know, the good old days, especially this past summer. It's been a great year in general. I got to play a good amount of golf, probably not as much as I wanted to, but I've improved this year compared to last year, I would say. And I got to go to the beach a few times, had some great moments, and we'll continue to keep the good times rolling going forward. I finally, finally went back to Powerhouse Gym in Mississauga with my buddy. I think it's been over a year now since I went to that gym, and I've just been paying it the whole time. And since I've been working at my current gym, Movati, this is like one of the first times this year where I trained at a gym that wasn't at work. But man, that was a great session over there. A bit of a longer drive for me, but I worked out with my buddy, John Mango, known him for... 10 years now, which is crazy since we started uh, the whole health, uh, fitness and health promotion program back in 2013. Crazy to think that it's been 10 years since I've known the kid. We always have the best workouts together, and we were even talking about the pros and cons of training with machines, ideal rep ranges to train in, and all of that. I love talking about training with that guy. We both have a very similar mindset, I would say. He's just starting out his year long bulk. And I've pretty much started my own bulk now at this point, but I got to actually track my food for the week and see exactly where I'm starting out so I know what to do going forward. And our workout was actually all machines just to switch it up a little bit and to really focus on that mind to muscle connection, really just focusing on building that up. And you can go a bit more intense on the machines as well because you don't have to be worried about dropping the dumbbells on your face or, or, or on your head, something like that. Powerhouse is some of the best machines I've used. I mean, they have ho these hoist machines. They move while you push the weight, so your body adjusts uh, into what 
should be more of an optimal angle to grow muscle. So we did the incline chest version of that, some pec deck on the hoist as well, some Atlantis shoulder press, just a quick set to failure there, some lateral raises on an incline bench, reverse pec deck, and I did probably one of the best bicep machines ever. It was like this plate-loaded hoist machine. It was just, that was just amazing. It was a solid workout, like I said. And I ended up going back a few days later to hit a good back day too, actually. That one was by myself. Those hoist lat pull-down machines are dope. Can really get a good back squeeze going there. All right, moving on. It's been a while now, but there was that Apple event. Got to talk about that one, of course, because of the nerd in me. I did mention it briefly on the last episode, but I was in a rush, so I didn't want to go crazy. I did get the new iPhone 15 Pro Max. I got the blue titanium model. I was going back and forth between that and the natural titanium. I picked up my iPhone a while ago, but it was just last weekend where I put my SIM card into it. So now it's my main driver for the past few days. Spoiler, it's just like my old phone, just faster. And the camera is crazy, obviously. I've been using my old one as my media device now. So my music is on there, podcasts, and I've been shooting content with a new one for the gram as bit, uh, a bit as well. And this past week, NHL has started. The hockey season is among us. A lot of hype for me and the team I cheer for, the Chicago Blackhawks. We had the number one pick in the not-so-rigged draft. So we drafted Connor Bedard, who you might have heard of if you're into hockey at all, because it feels like the NHL just talks about him nonstop, really. All over social media, just overall media coverage in general. So me and my buddy went down to see his first game of the year last week. I drove us to Pittsburgh, and man, that was a great time. We went to see Chicago play the Penguins, so Bedard versus Crosby. Bedard was not even a year old, I think, when Crosby started in the NHL, which is just nuts. I mean, that was his idol growing up, and they ended up playing each other in the first game of the year, which was, that was so cool to see in person. So let's start with last Tuesday. That's when we decided to drive down. First stop in the U.S., obviously IHOP. I had a big steak omelet with some pancakes on the side. Man, the portions in the U.S., they're just different. I barely finished that meal. A few hours later, we passed by the Penguins practice facility, so I had to turn around, and we were able to actually roam free in there, which is pretty cool. There was some Mario Lemieux stuff in there, old jerseys that he actually wore. His mom donated this stuff, and even his old pair of skates, which, I mean, they look like they're from the 1800s or something, but it's pretty cool. There was like a female team practicing in there, so we watched a bit of that and then made our way eventually to downtown Pittsburgh. I remember having to valet my car, and then we dropped off our stuff in the hotel room, went to the local dollar store, which was a bit scary since everything was, like, locked up. I just remember the deodorant was, like, locked up, which says enough about the area. So we got our Gatorades and got out of there as fast as possible. Our hotel had some nice perks, free dinner along with a free drink, and your second and third drinks were just a dollar each. Yep, took advantage of that for sure. I had some pulled pork along with a cherry vodka sour, two margaritas, and we were on our way to the stadium for puck drop. On the way there, we were talking to this couple who ended up giving us a drink each too. That was like pure vodka or whatever that was. We got to the stadium about an hour early to watch them warm up. We waited on the Blackhawks side first, and eventually Bedard came out looking like an absolute beauty, warming up with no helmet on, just showing off that flow. 
After a bunch of pictures and videos, we went over to the Penguin side and did more of the same because Crosby was there, obviously. He's still one of the best in the league, and it's his 18th season in the NHL. The game was great, though. The crowd wasn't as loud as I imagined they'd be, but still a great atmosphere. Penguins got off to a good start. They were up 2 to nothing, and then the Blackhawks ended up scoring four unanswered goals. So Chicago ended up winning 4-2. to two. I got to see another win in person. I got to see Bedard get his first NHL point, which was dope. I think the Blackhawks are actually undefeated when I watch them in person. So I'm going to try to go to a few more, uh, few more games over the course of the season. The next morning, we took advantage of the breakfast, of course, after I did a quick workout at the gym. On the way back home, we made a quick stop at Rimrock Overlook or something like that. We were pretty high up in the mountains and we did a bit of walking in the area. There's this beautiful spot where you can see some of the trees with their changing colors for the fall. There's some kind of body of water there. It was a bit chilly, but we managed. We had some chicken nuggets also on the way home. The border gave us no issues coming back into Canada, which I appreciated because of my recent run of getting stopped at the border. So overall, 10 out of 10 trip, solid time. I was only away for a day and a half, but it was just super memorable. Other than that, my week was just work, and I played a bit of PS5 this week because the new NHL game came out, and I should have known it would be a waste of money, but I bought it anyway. The game is mediocre, just as it has been for the last, like, 10 years, just copy and pasting the same game over and over again, but whatever. I got to play a bit of that. Any downtime I have, I'll probably just be running that for a little bit. I'll also mention that the Blackhawks were actually in town a while ago, or... That was on Monday, and they beat the Leafs 4-1 in Toronto. I didn't get to go to that game because the tickets were more than $200 for standing room only, which is just crazy. I played a bit of golf lately. I even played some basketball recently to fill in on my cousin's team. Actually, this was a while ago, but as you know, the podcast hasn't been a weekly thing for me lately, but this, I mean, it's still in the podcast notes here. What do I remember from that day? Um... I don't even know. They did win, and turned out they didn't even need me. I played like two minutes, but I'm glad they won. Still had a good time regardless. And then a few days ago, this past weekend, we had a little basketball run with some people from my work. Man, that was a solid time hanging out with some of the boys outside of work. We played basketball from 8 to 10 at night. Not the best time to play because that's past my bedtime, but... I actually didn't have work the next day, so I just went out anyway. I'm glad we were all free to get out there. I haven't played ball in a while, but man, I was just I was just making everything. No, I'm just kidding, but I, I did decent. I mean, I was shooting the ball pretty well. Everyone out there did their thing, though. This is what happens when you group up a bunch of Filipinos. It's either karaoke or basketball. Question one, why compound lifts are so important for workout programs? So yes, compound lifts are important, obviously, and I'll go through why that's the case. These certain compound lifts hold a pivotal role in effective workout programming. That's because you're able to really get such good results from them. Compound movements are exercises where you're working multiple muscles and joints at once. This contributes to overall strength, muscle growth, and functional fitness. There's the big three or five lifts that most people will want to do some variation of, The important three compound movements are a squat, bench press, and a deadlift. But you can also put some kind of overhead shoulder press in there as well, and you can't forget about back, so rows, 
Round out those compound movements you should do every time you're in the gym or in every workout split. You don't necessarily need to do them all in one day, but throughout the week you should be hitting a good amount of sets of these movements. Compound lifts such as squats, deadlifts, bench press, OHP, enables you to target several major muscle groups in a single movement. These are efficient movements that allow you to um, optimize your training time and workload. These should be staples in your workout program because they're just so time effective. Super efficient. Think about doing a squat. How many muscles that hits, the amount that they're being taxed. If you take out your squat movement or substitute it for something else, you would have to do leg extensions, leg curls, maybe even something like hip thrusts and a leg press too. And that's just for the amount of muscles you hit during a squat. Not to mention the squat itself is such an important daily activity that we need to do for as long as we can. From a strength and muscle gain perspective, the compound movements are king. Again, from the last point here, we're talking about the recruitment of multiple muscle groups during compound lifts. This leads to greater uh, overall muscle activation. This results in accelerated strength gains and muscle hypertrophy or growth compared to simply just doing uh, isolation exercises or movements. That way you don't have to spend 20 or 30 or 40 minutes doing those other isolation movements, which may help build up the quads and hamstrings, but it's just not the same. I'm not saying ignoring them all together, but the squat should be the main thing to think about when we're, uh, or when you're hitting legs, for example. This could mean something like Bulgarian split squats or even lunges too. It doesn't have to just be a barbell back squat. It could mean front squats. Even a lunge, if you really think about it, is just a one leg or one legged squat to a certain extent, right? So they're similar. That just challenges. Uh, the one leg instead, which has its own benefits as well, like when it comes to evening out muscle imbalances between the right and left side of your body. Compound movements are functional too. These movements mimic real-life activities that require coordination and strength from multiple muscle groups. Already talked about this. Uh, already talked about this with the squats, so we're good there. But think about shoulder press too. I mean, when are you ever reaching overhead? Pretty rarely, right? But if you're practicing that, then you'll be ready when you actually do need to do it. Enhancing functional fitness through compound lifts translates to improved daily activities and your day-to-day life, and also if you're into sports performance. In terms of the hormonal response, compound lifts stimulate the body to release higher levels of anabolic hormones like testosterone and growth hormone naturally. This hormonal response contributes to muscle growth and overall body composition improvement. Movements like deadlifts or squats are taxing for not just the legs, but the CNS, the central nervous system, and sends that signal throughout the body. Everything is involved one way or another, especially if you're squatting a weight that's heavy for you. Here's one that some people will be glad to hear, caloric expenditure. The energy demand when performing compound lifts is substantial due to an Uh, Due to the involvement of numerous muscle groups, this leads to a higher caloric expenditure during workouts, helping with weight loss and fat burning goals that most people have. This point alone, uh, it might convince some people to do it more. Think about doing dumbbell walking lunges over something like a leg extension. You'll obviously burn way more calories doing the lunges over the leg extensions or leg curls or a movement like a lat pull-down or a pull-up compared to a bicep curl. You'll burn more calories because it's more taxing on the body, there's more muscle recruitment, it requires more energy altogether, so that's why the compound movements need to be a staple in your routine. 
Remember that these compound movements are multi-joint exercises, so they're the best bang for your buck exercises. They hit multiple muscles, that way you don't just have to do isolation exercises for your body parts, and that's why they're burning more calories than those other isolation movements that only focus on one muscle at a time. Now in terms of joint stability and balance, engaging multiple joints uh, in compound exercises enhances both of these things and promotes balanced muscle development. This is going to reduce the risk of injuries caused by muscular imbalances. This is also why free weight specific compound movements have an advantage over machines. Two more quick points to run through. Neuromuscular adaptation. What the heck is that? Compound lifts challenge the nervous system to coordinate these complex movements, leading to improved neuromuscular adaptation. So better coordination, enhanced motor skills, They did a study on this actually, where your brain is actually more active, therefore you're burning more calories as your brain functions and does these little micro calculations to make sure everything in your body coordinates properly for these complex movements. Think about a squat moving through space compared to a seated leg press. Your body is going to have to be thinking about uh, or doing those split second micro calculations to figure out what you need to do to balance yourself to press the weight up properly. And here we go. Maybe the most important part, compound lifts provide a solid foundation for implementing progressive overload. This is a fundamental principle for continuous improvement. As you increase weights on these lifts, you stimulate ongoing strength and muscle gains, progressive overload when it comes to strength gains, which leads to muscle gains, which leads to that boost in metabolism that everyone should be striving for. Ultimately, if you want to get to a point where you're Sustaining a healthy body weight, getting stronger is a huge component of that. So track your workouts and get stronger. If you're doing that, then there's a good chance that you're putting on muscle. So that means you're boosting up the metabolism ever so slightly. This makes it so much easier, so much easier over time to lose weight without having to do an excessive amount of cardio every single day to maintain where you're at. Now, I'm at a point where I can enjoy the bits of dessert and cake on the weekends. I don't have to worry about putting on body fat because my body just burns so much calories during the day just to maintain the muscle that I have on my body. And it took years to get to that point, but it's something that'll stay with me for the majority of my life as long as I can maintain most of my muscle, which is the easy part. Incorporating compound lifts into workout programming ensures holistic and efficient approach to fitness catering to a wide range of goals from strength training to positive body comp changes or enhancements but don't forget that it's essential to balance them with proper recovery and targeted isolation exercises to address specific muscle groups and prevent injuries from overuse or just doing too much question two diet adjustments to succeed when it comes to weight loss or fat loss As a personal trainer, I always get questions like, oh, what do I need to do to, or what do I need to eat to lose weight or to gain muscle? What's healthy? Or I'm eating salads. Is that healthy enough? What I've found over the years is that there's a few tweaks to the diet that pretty much everyone can benefit from. Weight loss is easy, but still can be a complex process that involves a combination of factors, including diet, physical activity, genetics, and overall lifestyle. However, making specific diet adjustments can contribute to weight loss progress for pretty much everyone. Here are some key dietary adjustments that are commonly recommended, things that I've found over the years basically. First things first, 
A calorie deficit will be needed if you're looking to lose weight, which is what most people are after. Weight loss ultimately comes down to consuming fewer calories than your body expends or that your body burns. This can be achieved by uh, either eating fewer calories or increasing physical activity, and the best approach would be to do a bit uh, a bit of column A and column B. Tracking your caloric intake and being mindful of portion sizes is crucial. At the same time, I don't recommend a calorie deficit for everyone right away, especially if they're just starting uh, just starting to resistance train, aka lift weights. In that case, a calorie surplus could be beneficial because you should increase protein intake. But we'll dive into that again later on, or maybe another uh, in another episode. So first off, you need to have a balanced diet. This is what everyone should be aiming for. Aim for a balanced diet that includes a variety of nutrient-dense foods from all major food groups, including lean proteins, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and healthy fats. This helps ensure you're getting the necessary nutrients while controlling your calorie intake. For most people, this might mean eating more fruits and vegetables, especially with the way the modern diet is these days. A typical, diet, a typical diet these days usually looks like a bit of protein, little to no vegetables, and the majority of the plate being a carb source with some possibly unhealthy fats. That's the biggest part as to why I make 95% of the food I eat, and you should be doing the same, or at least try to. It's easy to control your diet that way you know exactly what's going into your body. Cleaning up the diet to make your overall diet more balanced would always be my suggestion, so this likely means more vegetables, more protein, and less carbs if you're looking at your plate of food. So that's for the major or the big meals of the day, whether that means two, three, or four meals. Another suggestion for most people that I encounter on a daily basis, reducing your processed food intake. I don't want to say to completely eliminate ultra-processed foods, but most people definitely need to minimize it. These foods tend to be high in added sugars, unhealthy fats, and just empty calories. Little to no nutritional value, it's just to satisfy your taste buds and that's pretty much it. These foods contribute to overconsumption of calories and hinder weight loss progress. When I say ultra-processed foods, that means most things that are packaged, so chocolates, sweets, chips, cookies, those ready-to-made desserts and cakes, maybe at Longo's or Costco. This is such a problem in today's world because uh, people will say that they don't have enough time to cook. It's a lot easier to just eat highly processed foods because it's so accessible. Just open up some package and start eating. Snacks are a big issue usually, especially if they're in the bedroom or on the kitchen counter for you to see and hope to ignore every day. This one rings true for most people. It's a constant battle. I understand that these foods, uh, these kinds of foods are so good. This is why I don't want to be on here saying to eliminate it completely because I wouldn't do it either. But minimizing it is definitely the key to long-term success in this journey. They've covered this in studies that when you include highly processed foods into the diet, people on average will eat around 500 more calories on a daily basis. Doing that over weeks, months, years will set you back and that's guaranteed to put on body fat. This is a huge one that's tough for most people to overcome, so minimize it over time slowly. That would be my suggestion. This especially counts uh, not just food, but those orange juices or just fruit juices in general because those have so much added sugar. Drinks like Coke and whatever kind of soda, that's another one I found to be a common offender. 
Another suggestion I'll make to clients and one that I've started to pay more attention to is increasing fiber intake. Foods high in fiber like whole grains, fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts can help you feel fuller for longer which reduces the likelihood of overeating. This is yet another reason why eating your fruits and vegetables can be key to long-term health and staying leaner for the rest of your life. This is a big one for me because when I started tracking my food I realized how little fiber I was getting. Nowadays, I've been going to Bulk Barn looking to get my fibrous foods in, so besides leafy greens, vegetables, I've been adding in some wheat germ and some seeds. I think there's sunflower seeds into my diet to increase my intake as well. And yes, this could lead to weight loss if you're eating the proper amount because you're more regular with your washroom habits. This is also important uh, during the so-called bulking season to make sure that you're not just bloated all the time. Again, this one is important for everyone. There's other health benefits there as well. It's not just about looking better physically all the time. Even underneath it all, you'll be healthier if you increase your fiber intake. A low fiber intake, like if your diet is low in fiber for an extended period of time, this could lead to constipation, IBS, diverticulitis, heart disease. It increases your risk of bowel cancer. Again, most people lack in this, even I'm usually on the low end, but it's a constant work in progress to increase the fiber intake because our modern diets don't really take this one into account. Food companies are actually stripping fiber from meals or foods so we don't get full off of their foods, especially like the last point was from those highly processed foods. They'll strip the fiber out of there and hijack our brain mechanics with the added sugars. This gets us to eat more of said product, so we buy more in the long term and someone's going to be raking in that money. Another big one when it comes to controlling is, uh, or whatever, controlling food is portion sizes. Even healthy foods can contribute to weight gain if consumed in excessive amounts. Should I repeat that again? Even healthy foods can contribute to weight gain if you eat too much. You can have too much chicken breast and this could still lead to weight gain if at the end of the day you're eating more than you're burning. So stop going back for seconds when it means adding more rice to your plate or whatever the carb is. Use portion control techniques like measuring portions out if you need to at first. It educates you later on or using smaller plates to help manage your intake. Again, this is important. I've been paying attention to how much I'm eating. I'm not necessarily tracking my food now. I still eat the same foods, but I've lost around 25 pounds since April because I've just taken the food that I usually eat or the meals that I usually eat and I reduced the carbs of that meal where I needed to. I've also upped the vegetable intake slightly as well, so that keeps me fuller longer. Fiber intake is up, and I'm thinking about being satisfied after every meal, not just stuffed until I can't eat anymore. Now I eat till about 75 to 80% fullness levels instead of over 90%, like if I was going to a buffet every day or something. That really leads into the next point, which is mindful eating. Paying attention to your body's hunger and fullness cues. Eat slowly, savor your food, that can prevent overeating too. Don't be eating until you're 90, 95, 100% full. Try eating to 70% and then drinking a big glass of water to fill up the rest of your stomach space and then reevaluate from there. Limit liquid calories. I'll just go through this one quick because this overlaps with stuff I already talked about already, ultra processed food, whatever. So quickly, sugary beverages like soda, energy drinks, sweetened coffee drinks, Starbucks or whatever, that can add a significant amount of calories to your diet without providing much satiety. If you're looking to lose weight, this could be huge. 
I've had clients who had multiple like Coca-Colas on a daily basis. Cutting that out alone dropped their calorie intake hundreds of calories, and after a few months of limiting that intake, just removing it altogether or substituting it with better liquids or simply just water dropped her weight significantly. Substitutions here could be water, teas, or other low-calorie beverages. Personally, I love my ginger honey lemon tea, especially for the winter. Such a good immune booster. This is an issue just like the highly processed foods are. Water just doesn't taste as good enough anymore because you're used to having the high sugary drinks that taste good. They've hijacked your system, man, just like the snacks with the high sugar and salt content. If you're having orange juice, that could easily add so many calories and don't even get me started on weight gainers. So, okay, there's a few more points here, but I'm pretty sure I've covered these to a certain extent already, so let's just fly through this. Staying hydrated, that's a big one. Make sure you're drinking enough water throughout the day that can help you control your appetite and prevent mistaking thirst for hunger. Drinking water, even before meals, could just fill up your stomach more, and I already mentioned that little life hack for after meals too. Again, filling up the stomach space you got instead of eating to the max fullness Most people lack on getting enough water throughout the day, so this is a common area that can be fixed, or you can at least think about that. Reduce added sugars. This one's self-explanatory. Cut back on foods and beverages with high amounts of added sugars. This includes not only obvious sources like candies and desserts, but also hidden sources like some yogurts or pasta sauces and flavored drinks. Similar to limiting highly processed foods and limiting liquid calories, this is important. This is why fruits are great. There's no added sugar if you're having real fruit. Fruits have no added sugars, although they have been manufactured and engineered over the time to have more sugars and be bigger and rounder and more physically attractive overall, but there's no added sugar in there. One of the most important aspects that I've seen lacking in most people's diets, not enough protein. I hope you're still listening. Protein-rich foods like lean meats, chicken, fish, eggs, dairy, legumes, tofu, this can all help increase satiety and preserve muscle mass during weight loss. This helps you stay fuller longer and helps not only with building muscle and the recovery process, but other things as well. This should theoretically be half your plate of food, and if you're only eating two meals a day, you're likely not getting enough protein for your body to work optimally when it comes to recovery, muscle building, and all that. Now, typically, the suggestion is to eat a gram of protein per pound of body weight, but you can get away with slightly less than that if you just want to be leaner. The thing is, some people these days are just way under that amount. Like, I've seen some people eating like 30 grams of protein every day or maybe even lower in some cases. A slight bump there helps overall health in a positive way. Healthy cooking methods. So you got to opt for cooking methods that use minimal added fats, such as grilling, baking, steaming, maybe sauteing with small amounts of healthy oils. Extra virgin olive oil is a good idea. This is why I mainly prepare my own meals because I know what oil I'm using. I know my own methods. When it comes to eating out, you don't know exactly what's being used to cook your food. Now, there are some health conscious places now, so some companies are more open to telling you their cooking methods and what oils they're using. But like, A real fast food chain like McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, or whatever, good luck with that one. Now that you have a good idea of the little diet tweaks that you probably need to make, and me as well, I mean, the podcast is always a good reminder, even to myself, for exactly what I need to be doing to continue to make progress in the right direction. 
Some strategies, let me talk about that for like a minute or two. Uh, Tracking your food helps because it helps you plan ahead. Planning your meals and snacks can help you make healthier choices and avoid impulsive, less nutritious options. If I know I'm going out later that day, I might make the decision to eliminate carbs earlier in the day or earlier in the day because I know that a dinner or a night out could mean some dessert and that's a trade-off I'm willing to make to enjoy the social time with friends and family. I'm not skipping out on no dessert, okay? Like I've been there, done that, and no, I'm going to enjoy my life. One meal isn't going to make or break your diet. A lot of people really lose focus here when they see one meal in someone's day and instantly say things like, oh, I guess you're bulking now. Plan ahead. If I'm going to have Krispy Kreme for a single donut that's 200 calories, I'll enjoy that. But if I'm cutting and doing that, I know that I'll have to cut out some carbs later on in the day, maybe before, if I'm paying attention to staying in a calorie deficit or if I want to stay in a calorie deficit. And don't forget, guys and girls, be patient and consistent. Sustainable weight loss takes time. Avoid crash diets or extreme restrictions as they can lead to nutrient deficiencies and a cycle of weight regain. If you're cutting for the summer, you don't want to start too late, so know that for next year. You need to give yourself a good uh, like a good amount of time, a good like little window to lose the weight you want to actually lose. Uh, ideally, 1% of your weight could be lost within a week or so, so maybe around 1 to 2 pounds. It could be more if you really have a lot of weight to lose, though, and initially when you start on this new path. Remember that individual responses to diet can vary based on factors like metabolism, genetics, medical conditions. It's always a good idea to consult with a healthcare professional or registered dietitian if you have access to that before you make some crazy significant changes to your diet, especially if you have any underlying health concerns. So to recap, okay, track your workouts like I talked about in the first topic, compound movements. Track your food also and just try to inch towards better decisions in that aspect. A lot of people will put in the work at the gym and then they just don't care about the recovery and diet aspects so they're not optimally making the gains or progress that they actually could. So hopefully there's a bunch of things from this episode that'll help you continue to be healthier in the present and for the future. If there's anything else you need from me, I reply to everything on my Instagram, which is where you can reach me. Other than that, enjoy and embrace the journey. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that concludes episode 126 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.